Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Bobcat fans, it is Monday, April 17th, and I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Orlando Smart, and in t- and today I'm joined by my producer, Kobe Jackson, and host co-host, J.P. Flanagan. We have a jam-packed show for you today. It's filled with plenty of Bobcat sports and even some national news. But first, we're going to throw it over to J.P. for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio, located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos. Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, and scenic views. Thank you, JP. Now let's get the show started with some Texas State baseball. The Bobcats hosted the Sunbelt Conference opponent Marshall Thundering Herd in a weekend series where they were, where they were able to capitalize on their home field advantage and sweep the series. They won game one, five to one, then completely shut out the Herd six to zero in game two, and then ended the series with a comeback six to five win. So looking at these three games, what are some of the things that like stood out to y'all about the Bobcats? I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about this kind of last week after that big Texas win, what they were going to do to respond to, you know, put themselves in a situation where they can sweep a team like Marshall that, you know, was struggling in conference play up to this point. I mean, obviously continues to struggle. But I mean, this is exactly what you wanted to see from this team. You can't, you know, just beat a nationally ranked team and then, you know, let a team like Marshall come to San Marcos and take advantage. So, yeah, I mean, this is exactly what we wanted to see on the hitting end of things. I mean, things never really got cold for San Marcos this weekend. I mean, outscoring their opponent 16 to five on the weekend is very impressive so I mean great things to see I mean and this is just what you expect from a team this late in the season that is capable of beating these ranked opponents yeah and you kind of talked about them being out them getting uh outscored by uh by the Bobcats keep in mind that the first two games I mean outstanding pitching performances from Levi Wells and Tony Roby Tony Rope well let's first start off with Levi Wells Levi Wells went a full nine innings and struck out 13 batters in the first game that led them to a five to one victory. And then right behind that was Tony Roby on Saturday, who absolutely complete a gem in the ball game using two pitchers, him and then Nathan Madrano, who finished off the game. But I mean, Tony Roby did outstanding for the Bobcats, you know, only going seven and one third innings has also had 11 strikeouts in the game as well. So he pitched an absolute amazing game. And then obviously the final game that I was on the call alongside with Bill Cohane. I mean, that was, first of all, that was a great game overall. Marshall really made adjustments, but the one thing I do want to note about the series is that Zeke Wood, who was off for a week, uh, was I believe he was kind of rehabbing from a little bit of an injury that he had, but this was his first game back, and he only went four innings. So obviously, they wanted to possibly you know limit his action because he went through. I believe he went through, through four innings and only uh, had about five strikeouts in the ball game. But I mean, other than that, a really really amazing performance from this Bobcat team. A really great response after uh, beating UT up in Austin, Texas. But I mean, a really 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 great response for uh, this Bobcat team. Yeah, I definitely agree, and what a perfect um, time to have that because coming up next, the Bobcats will travel down I-35 for a rematch against the rival UTSA Roadrunners. Now, in the first matchup this season, the Roadrunners completely dominated the Bobcats and won the game 11-2, so obviously the Bobcats will be hungry for revenge, and so what are, what are some things y'all 
think they can do to achieve that? I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that I think are really going to have to be worked on because looking at this Roadrunner uh, this Roadrunner team, they're currently 28 and 8 on the season. So they have had an outstanding season, bigger than what they had last year, obviously. But I mean, you know, we, I mean, I know we tend to talk about UTSA sometimes and how their football program has changed a lot. But obviously now their baseball team is starting to step up a lot more. And it's clearly shown it. They've, uh, they beat Middle Tennessee in a complete sweep domination, scoring twi- scoring 30 runs out of 13 this past uh, this past weekend against Middle Tennessee. And then obviously the big upset that I think a lot of people forgot about is that they beat the Texas A&M Aggies up in College Station and only held them to, held them to one run. So I honestly think that that's a big big sign for this UTSA Roadrunners team. But you know the Bobcats are you know on a hot streak. So is uh, so is UTSA. So honestly, the two hot streaks going at it, and it's ought to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, these are both teams with admirations of, you know, making this playoff and kind of advancing in this round, field of 64. I mean, this is one of the best seasons that UTSA has had, you know, to date so far. I mean, they're predicted to make this field and, you know, make a run for it. But I mean, getting to look at the last time these teams faced off, I mean, it was pretty dominant fashion for this UTSA Roners team. And I'm looking at the box score and they didn't get to see uh, Jose Gonzalez from the Bobcats. So maybe that's kind of an issue, but I don't think that's really what keeps you down nine points. I don't think one player can get you nine runs like that. But I mean, yeah, this is a team that's you know uh, made a lot of progress and is trying to you know keep up with a team like Texas State that has had progress in the past and you know trying to keep that going. And one more thing to note is that this past Sunday's Jose Gonzalez did not play this past Sunday, so uh, because Cameron Wild was on the left side of the uh, left side of the field for the Bobcat team, he was filling under the weather, so I'm pretty sure he'll probably be back for this UTSA game. But I mean, we'll see what happens because honestly, you know, inclim- inclimatic weather can be a really big deal, especially for your health. But you know, hopefully he's back and hope he's ready to go. All right, now we're gonna we're gonna move next door to the softball diamond and look at the Texas State softball team. The Bobcats traveled to Lafayette, Louisiana, where they struggled against the conference opponent Raging Cajuns. They were swept in the three-game series and were outscored sixteen to five. Now we knew coming into the game that the Bobcats were in for a tough one with the Raging Cajuns, just because going into the series they had only lost one conference game, and that was to the worst team in the in the entire conference. So most would say that that loss didn't even mean much to them. But I mean, do you guys honestly think that the Bobcats were just outmatched in this series? I mean, I can't comment on if they're outmatched or not, but I mean, I th- it might just be like a mentality thing. I mean, you can't you know, walk into a conference opponent, you know, knowing that, you know, it might be the best team, but that you're going to lose, you know, all three of these games. You got to come up with a mentality that you're able to beat these teams. And I'm sure they did. But I mean, really, just after the first game, you could tell that this Louisiana team meant business. I mean, they're one of the top ranked teams in the Sun Belt right now. And now they're uh, now that shows with their rank being ranked number 25 in the country, which is probably subject to some change now that they got to sweep a Texas State team um, three times. And Texas State has obviously gotten to beat some ranked opponents themselves. So those are some quality wins for that Louisiana team and I mean and this Texas State team's gonna have to get it figured out quick because then they're traveling to College Station to take on the Texas A&M Aggies and you know that's a team that's also just worked their way up into the rankings and they're now 21 in the country so I mean you're gonna have to figure it out quick and hopefully you know get back on track so when you know Sunbelt time comes around again um, that you're able to capitalize on those yeah and we were kind of talking about this before we went on air is that this is the same Louisiana team that beat the Longhorns in the Sunbelt Conference Championship last year so honestly I think that 
that was, I uh, think, what was on their mind this past uh, this past uh, weekend. But, you know, the Louisiana Racing Cages did an outstanding job. Obviously, they're ranked number 25 for a reason, and obviously, clearly, it showed it. But, I mean, just going off of just the softball team itself, you know, keep in mind, now they're on officially a four-game losing streak after losing to the Texas Longhorns this, uh, last, this past Wednesday, and then obviously you know, sweet game swept by number 25 ranked Louisiana. So, I mean, obviously a really, really tough weekend for this Bobcat team. But honestly, game two had a much more different story than game one and game uh, game, uh, excuse me, game three. And the Bobcats originally had the lead. They were leading two to nothing in uh, the first few innings. And then all of a sudden the batch just got hot for this Louisiana Raging, Raging Cajuns team. So, I mean, the Bobcats can get run production on the board. It's just that they just really need to contain these Louisiana batters and Louisiana pitching staff and just try to, you know, just try to work something out. But, you know, JP, like you said, Texas A&M coming up, trying to make themselves known in the SEC as well. So uh, this is going to be a tough, tough battle here for, uh, for the Bobcats. Yeah, definitely. Like y'all said, they'll be traveling to College Station where they will be hosted by the Texas A&M Aggies. They, the Aggies are currently 26-16, and 16, but just like the Bobcats, they are coming off of a series against a conference opponent where they were swept. Uh, now with the Aggies being in the SEC there, like you guys mentioned there, their competition is normally a lot tougher, but even looking at some of the teams that the Aggies and Bobcats have played, um, like uh, the mat- like matchups that they have uh, both played against, like the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, the the Aggies have had better outcomes because uh, just last week the Aggies played that same Raging Cajuns team that just swept the Bobcats and were able to win four to two. So the Bobcats definitely will have their plates full with this A uh, and M team down in College Station. But um, that's going to be all the time we have for this first segment. We're going to take a moment for a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to zoom out of San Marcos and talk about all the game ones across the NBA. So don't touch that dial. Stick around for a while. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. All right, welcome back, everybody, to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Orlando Smart, and in the studio with me today, I have my producer, Kobe Jackson, and my co-host, J.P. Flanagan. Now, like I said before the break, let's get into the NBA. So last night, well, over the weekend, actually, there was a lot of game ones, and although the Lakers game wasn't first, as a resident Laker fan, I got to talk about <laughs> got to talk about my guys, and so they had their first game one uh, yesterday against the Memphis Grizzlies, and I mean, in this game... Normally for LeBron and his teams, like that that first game is kind of a kind of a, a feel out game just to kind of see where it is, especially being a lower seed, the game being away. But they were able to win the game. Um, John Morant did go down with a, a hand injury that's not looking too good, but um, so hoping to, hoping that's not too serious and he's able to continue to play. But I mean, I don't want to kind of I don't want that to really take away from the Lakers win. They mm-hmm. they kind of they still were winning that game even when the um, even when um, John Morant went down with his injury. So I think that this is definitely going to be a pretty good series. But with the Lakers being in complete control of the series, I feel like they'll definitely have a good chance to take it. I mean, they with the role players stepping up like that day, Roy Hachimura, Austin Reeves playing absolutely incredible, Jared Vanderbilt with his defense. I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron James didn't even have to dominate. They were all – everyone – Kind of had the same amount of points, 23, 21, 22, 29 points. And if I 
you couldn't even tell me who had two if I just just by like you just by assumptions. Like you would think that was LeBron <laughs> with the twenty nine and A D with the twenty two, but no, that was like Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves led the team. So <laughs> as a Lakers fan, that's amazing to see. I mean, I who I know you guys aren't rooting for the Lakers, but I mean, how does that? I what? mean, I'd just be curious to see if those numbers can be repeated. I you know Rui, Rui Hachimura had you know twenty nine, and then you mentioned Austin Reeves at the twenty three. I mean, and those seem like the numbers that AD and LeBron should be putting up. So I mean, on a night where AD and LeBron aren't putting up the most on the team, it's great to see that this LA team is able to you know pull out a win, especially since it's with a team you know like Memphis that was playing so well all season. You know, be it without John Morant, who you know is probably questionable for the next game with that hand injury. But I mean, got it gotta love it from the young guys on this Lakers team but the main question is going to be you know is this something that is you know repeatable for these guys and you know are they going to be able to keep up with the Memphis Grizzlies for what could be you know a long series six seven game series so yeah I mean definitely some bright sides on that game I mean it was close for a really long time and I mean just towards the end there you know free throws became crucial and that LA team was able to pull it out but I mean I see if this is a series that goes 2-0 I really don't know if Memphis has it in them to you know you know, with the experience of, you know, LeBron and AD to make it out of that first round. So the next game is going to be very crucial for, you know, admirations of either of these teams. Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to notice is that after AD, it looked like, honestly, AD, uh, from my eye, it looked like he separated his shoulder in the game. So I'm pretty sure they probably had to put it back in place. But I know Orlando and Thomas on our staff kind of had a little bit of jitters there if if, if AD wasn't going to play because if it, he wasn't, then obviously I, I think, the Grizzlies probably would have won that game, but I mean, great. I mean, great leadership from LeBron James and AD who have been in the playoffs, especially LeBron who's been doing this for almost 20 years, a little bit over 20 years now for, for his career. And then obviously Anthony Davis, you know, with him being in the playoffs since he was in, with the Pelicans. But I mean, other than that, a really good game one, obviously. And then, you know, the Lakers stepping up to their potential, but I think, as far as game two goes, you could really go either way because if you if the Lakers win, then they'll have the best momentum heading back into uh, Los Angeles. But honestly, I think the Grizzlies really need to win this one in order for them to possibly stay in the series. I definitely agree. Um, just looking at just how series go, like once you go down 2-0, it's really hard to win. And then it's really even harder to win on the road in the playoffs. So yeah, going back to L.A. down two would be really hard for the Grizzlies to climb out of but looking at some of the other games I know the um, the Kings was a really good game they were able to escape the Warriors like um, the beans <laughs> yeah they were able to get their first playoff win and I think 17 years it was 17 years. so that's I mean amazing for the city of Sacramento amazing for that franchise in general but I mean the Warriors actually had a chance to not win the game but Steph Curry had Steph Curry had the ball he took a weird shot but he didn't really much have to take that weird of a shot he could have got a better like a more set shot but it was a good look um he got a three-pointer that would have sent it to overtime but he missed it so I mean what are your guys thoughts on how that game ended yeah I'm glad you mentioned that last shot by Curry because I mean it's not very of him and I think he knew as soon as he shot it that that wasn't going in I mean it it just didn't look right you know he's got a very unorthodox shot it's more of like a push it's not like your traditional above your head and shoot it kind of motion but yeah I mean that shot just looked you know, ugly, and that's not something you say very often for uh, Steph Curry. I mean, and then also, I think that um, that that Andrew Wiggins shot. I mean, they got a really good shot in the corner three yeah, there to tie up the game. Yep. I mean, and it's just you know how the game of basketball works. You're not going to get every shot like that. I mean, but I mean, we were talking about it before the show started. I think this is you know a game that the Warriors. You know, they've been there, they've done that. They, they come back and they easily bounce and get a game two. I mean, this is a team with a lot of experience, and I mean they're defending champs as well. So I mean, I think they they come in with the right mentality and they're able to you know get a, you know the next game against this Sacramento 
Kings team that, you know, is going to have to learn to, what are they going to do with all the success now that they have? I mean, they're 1-0 in the, a playoff series for the first time and who knows when. So, I mean, this is going to be something that they're going to learn from as, you know, they go on. And this is just a punch in the mouth for the Warriors. And I'm sure that they're going to come back with some fire in the next game. Well, the one thing I do want to know about this game, game one in general, is that I don't think I've ever seen Steph Curry being locked up like he was in game one because him only scoring 17 points. I mean, that I mean, that's just one of those nights maybe where you've had an off night and you just couldn't score a lot. But De'Aaron Fox did an outstanding job on guarding Steph Curry in game one. And also, I believe. I believe Darren Fox had over 30 points in the ball game as well. So, but I mean, if you want to just talk about the game itself, unbelievable game. I honestly believe now after watching that, I think we're about to probably have a seven game series. Not going to lie to you, but I always say that. And sometimes games either go to five or go to six. So I'm not going to really, you know, be confident on that, on that statement. But other than that, that game one was absolutely phenomenal. Great for Sacramento. A lot of stars, especially longtime NBA players who have been there, like Chris Webber, uh, Jason Williams, who was there in the tenants, 50 Cent even showed up to that game and witnessed the magnitude. But, I mean, what a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And honestly, I think Sacramento has the higher momentum right now. But if you want to look at just experience, to me, the Warriors have that much experience obviously with the four NBA championships that they won they've that they won in the past seven years currently so I think that's really going to play in the factor in game two but if Sacramento can honestly contain like how they did in game one I think they'll have a real chance to take game two yeah I mean I don't really like to make this comparison a lot because I mean you know anyone can lose a game one but I mean the Spurs in 2014 lost their first game to the Mavericks uh, by a game winner yep. to Vince Carter I mean and they took that you know with, with like that punch in the face you know exactly how they should have and they responded and they swept them in five games. So, I mean, this is a Warriors team, and as you mentioned, that you thought this was going to be a seven-game series, but this is a Warriors team capable of, you know, taking that and then, you know, just finishing out the series, just five games like that, you know, say that we're here for business. And Steve Kerr, we didn't even mention him, but, I mean, he's a huge factor on that team too. I mean, it's him versus Mike Brown, his old assistant coach, and they're both under the Greg Popovich coaching tree. So, I mean, this is going to be a really exciting series. I, I hope it's a seven-game series, if I'm being honest. You know, you mentioned about San, about San Antonio and all the coaches that they have. I wonder say of a good maybe four or five of them are in the playoffs this season yeah there's a good amount there's, there's like a, a good, good amount handful of them in the, there it'll, it's we're more than likely going to have a greg povich coaching championship one of oh these for days sure <laughs> absolutely i mean we can almost when we, we kind of saw that with steve kerr and uh mike Buchholzer for uh the Bucks. oh actually no excuse me not uh udoka i'm sorry for oh for, yeah i guess for you're boston right. yeah, yeah so we year. did so we did see that but honestly i think we're going to see a lot more of that in the next coming years to come i just want to Pulling out something you said, Kobe. Uh, you don't think that Steph Curry has ever been guarded like that in the playoffs? I want to give a shout out to one Matthew Della Vadova <laughs> for the 2016 oh, NBA Finals. Held Steph Curry to only 11 points. Now, and it's actually crazy because uh, J.R. Smith just came out and was in an interview and saying that. Matthew Delavadova almost died trying to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that the the energy, the effort that he exerted in that series, just trying to keep up with Steph Curry, because that was the only game Steph Curry played like that. The rest of the series, he played just fine. Um, but <laughs> they said Matthew Delavadova would literally end the games and be in the ice bath up to his neck, and his freaking legs were about to fall off. So I mean, hey, there you go. I mean, Steph Curry is just, uh, but it's been done before. Yeah. It's not impossible. But uh, looking at some of these other games. I know the Clippers game was very close. Russell Westbrook, shout out to him because he had a very good clutch um, defensive play at the end of the um, game as well as some clutch free throws. 
Because, um, I mean, up and coming, and that's just a testament to just his ability to affect the game in a lot of different ways. Because, I mean, he was not shooting the ball well at all. No, I mean, not at all. Uh, so, but in this game, he was all, but he was, he only had um, nine points, but was also able to have 10 rebounds and eight assists, as well as some of those def- those key defensive stops at the end. So, um, shout out to him for being able to affect the game when his shot wasn't falling. And, I mean, the Clippers were able to take game one, and that's kind of, scary if you're a Suns fan seeing as you have that big four that you went and got Kevin Durant and still weren't able to and he hasn't I mean I saw a thing Kevin Durant hasn't he's lost his last seven playoff games ouch I mean this is the series I think kind of shakes up the NBA the most because I mean obviously everyone's thinking that this Suns team be it the trades that they made at the trade deadline that they're supposed to be in the driver's seat and really supposed to make an NBA finals given the talent they have on their roster but I think we got a preview of this kind of at the end of the season I mean Kawhi Leonard has been playing over 30 minutes a game for a lot of these games and I think there was a game that actually went into overtime and he almost exceeded like 45 minutes so I mean this is a Kawhi Leonard that obviously knows his role right now he's gonna have to pick up the minutes he's gonna have to you know give it his all and and it's great to see him, you know, drop 38, 5, and 5. I mean, this feels like the old Kawhi. And if we could really get any production like the 2017 or 2019 Kawhi, I mean, this is a Lakers or a Clippers team that is able to, you know, knock off a Suns team. And then we're really looking at this Western Conference going, okay, who's going to go all the way? Because right now, I mean, a lot of people are leaning towards that Suns team for, for – for good reason. For good reason. Yeah. Absolutely, for good reason. But this Clippers team is, you know, stocked full of role players. And, I mean, once they get Paul George back, you're going to have two prime, you know, all-star players, you know, running the, the show. So I think this will be very interesting to watch as we go forward because, obviously, you know, the health of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is going to be significant. But, I mean, yeah, th- this this team's great. And I think the addition of Re- Russell Westbrook was really a great factor for them, having, you know, a ball-dominant point guard mm-hmm. who isn't necessarily there to score. He's just there to do everything else that you need. And he's a great attitude to kind of have on your team as leadership and, you know, kind of as a vocal point. Because as we know, Kawhi isn't the most vocal leader out there. But, I mean, he's still, you know, a leader out there and dominating the court. That's why they call him the the silent assassin for a reason. Because, I mean, he never talks mess. He never really talks a lot. But he just, honestly, his game just shows it. And honestly, it showed it, you know, last night when he dropped 38 points on the Suns. I mean, what a, I mean, but like you said, 2017 Kawhi Leonard, 2019 Kawhi Leonard, honestly was arguably, I would say arguably his best year, best years in the NBA. And honestly, if he can have another another playoff series like he had just last night, I think he'll be unstoppable. And you know, he we can finally put him back in the conversation of one of the best players in the league. Because honestly, for a long time, I consider him one of the best because he was an amazing, amazing offensive player, also a great defensive player. I believe he's won what like three, four, two, yeah, two defensive. Uh, MVPs of the season so honestly he's an amazing player and honestly if he can keep going like he has with the Suns and I know like JP like you said the Suns are obviously the hot pick for uh, for the Western Conference Finals, but to me, I think the Clippers have the Clippers have much more of a better team per se. Because honestly, I know having Chris Paul, having Devin Booker, having Kevin Durant now on the Suns, you're thinking, "Ooh, star power! They're gonna make it to the NBA Finals." It's more along the lines of an all-around team per se. And to me, I think the Clippers have that. But I'm still going to take the Suns in the series still, but I will not be surprised if the Clippers try to make this a series and try to possibly possibly win it. I think this Clippers team also kind of highlights how the Suns team is lacking a lot of role players. Because, I mean, if you look at this, you know, um, stat sheet right here, I mean, outside of, like, the top five players, and even it's kind of hard to even say top five players, they don't <laughs> really have any, any guys over seven points, over four points. And that's going to be a struggle because, I mean, once you get your bench players off the court, I mean, and these are, these are star players that, you know, need 
their, their minutes on the court. I mean, you cannot put Aiton out there, Booker, Chris Paul, Ken, Kevin Durant. They're going to want their minutes. So it's going to be interesting to see, are they able to put someone on the bench maybe, you know, get some minutes off the bench? Because, I mean, their their bench is looking weak right now, and, and I think that the Clippers team has a strong bench. So that's kind of highlighting their weakness right now early. I mean, this is another situation where the Suns could easily, you know, learn from their mistakes. But, I mean, that's going to be a tough thing to watch. I mean, they don't have any bench production. And I think we kind of are getting the you know the latter end of Chris Paul's career here. I yeah. mean, this isn't the Chris Paul of the old days, you know, putting up his 15 points. He's really asserting himself on this, you know, ball handling, ball movement kind of thing. So, I mean, it's that that'll probably be crucial going forward cuz, you know, who's going to have the ball in their hand and, you know, who's going to be coming off the bench, you know, giving them that, you know, bench success that they're going to need going forward. Definitely the I mean, it's it's a full team game. You're not going to just be able to do it with your stars. And I mean, and that's kind of how the Lakers got their win. But I mean, gonna <laughs> gonna switch over sides to the Eastern Conference and look at because I uh, don't want to not mention them. But looking at the um, Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat series, um, the Heat were able to win Game One, but also in that game, kind of like the Lakers series, the star for the other team, the Giannis Antetokounmpo, was able. He did go down with a back injury, but I think I'm pretty sure the. The Heat were still winning the game, so again, don't want to take away from their win, but this is, will definitely be a completely changed series going forward if Giannis is unable to play. Um, but just looking at this game, Jimmy Butler was able to completely, he was able to dominate like he has just in the past. He's shown the experience that he has, 35 points, 11 assists. Um, and as well as I don't want to forget Tyler Hero, he also broke his hand in that game. Um, it was actually crazy. He broke his hand, but it was, it was right before the half. And so they didn't call any timeouts. They didn't stop the game or anything. He finished the half, and he even put up a shot. Um, they passed him the ball in the corner, and he put up a three-pointer with a broken hand. He, I, it wasn't close to making it. I mean, it was close, but he airballed. But his, his hand, it was affecting him. So, obviously, that was a, it's very tough for him. Hopefully, he can recover soon. I'm pretty sure he'll be out. Um, I don't know how – I just don't know. I mean, depending on how far they go in the playoffs, I'm, I don't think he'll be able to be back this year, but – that that's a really big blow for the Heat, but I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on this series going forward? I mean, this is a series that I mean, as you highlighted the two injuries, those are going to be very crucial, you know, going forward to even give a prediction. Because obviously, without this, without Giannis, can you even put the Bucks over, you know, this Heat team? Because this Heat team is a team last year that nearly made an Eastern Conference Finals, and you know, has the admirations to go to another NBA Finals as long as Jimmy Butler is on the helm. So yeah, this will be you know interesting to watch as we go forward. You know, watching the injuries, you know, kind of how that situation works out because. If Giannis is able to come back, I mean, this is a series that easily, you know, goes back into the Bucks' favor. I think it was a back contusion, so yeah, back I think contusion. he just got, you know, hit in the back, probably caused a spasm there or something. I don't think that'll be something that keeps that affects him too long, but but obviously something to watch as we go forward. Yeah, and the one thing I do want to know, so just highlighting Game One specifically, Miami shot sixty percent from the three point line, which is honestly very rare in the playoffs. You normally really don't see that a lot. But and their field goal percentage was also high, up, but like almost two sixty percent field goal percentage. So obviously things were going their way in game one. But I like you talked about having Giannis as your your big man that you normally have as your star player for this Milwaukee Bucks team. I think will be a really big factor, especially because the amount of things he can do, you know, in the game. And we've seen it. That's why he's you know won an NBA championship. That's why he's won an NBA Finals MVP as well. So I mean, he is literally. They're literally the ultimate package that you want as an NBA player and not having him, I think is going to be really tough for the Bucks. But 
you know, back contusions, back injuries per se, they do take a long time to heal, you know, because I've, I mean, I wouldn't say I've had history with back, back injuries, but I know, you know, players and athletes who have had back surgeries and have had back injuries before. And usually those take usually a good, maybe four or five years to at least recover from. But luckily they said it's a back spasm. So I think maybe he'll just probably have to stretch it out possibly. But if it doesn't get better, I honestly think Miami will possibly take this series. Yeah, but I mean, not to like undershadow this Bucks team because I, I forget Chris Middleton's there. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's very rare, you know, he's even in the playoff series because I mean, he's had to deal with injuries himself. But I think this is a Bucks team that still, you know, is the number one team in this Eastern Conference and they still have a lot to prove. And honestly, I, I, with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, you should be able to win, but obviously going to be a tough hill climb without Giannis and we're going to have to see where that goes. Definitely gonna see how gonna see going to have to see how that goes. But just want to call out some of the other scores before we run out of time here. The in game one of the Sixers and Nets series, the Sixers were able to win one twenty one to one hundred one. Um, the Celtics beat the Hawks one twelve to ninety nine. The Knicks beat the Cavaliers one hundred one to ninety seven. We talked about the Kings, Warriors, Lakers, Grizzlies, Heats, Bucks, uh, and then the Nuggets beat the Timberwolves 109 to 80. Oh, they dominated them last yeah, night. Yeah, it was, it was complete domination last and night. Can we please stop having games that late? The game didn't even start till like 9:30, I think. It was, <laughs> it was the, I mean, it was like 12 o'clock by the third quarter, and they were up by 30 points. It was insane. Um, but like I said, but like I said, guys. Uh, we are wrapping things up, but I want to throw it to Kobe for a word on the weather. So it is currently 71 degrees outside. It's going to be clear skies, a little bit of clouds rooming in in the next couple hours, but the high is going to be 77. We had a low of 47 this morning, so obviously some cool weather. And then obviously tomorrow's forecast is going to be a high of 75 with a low of 59 degrees. We're also possibly expecting some rain, 50% chance. So, I mean, really good day today to be outside, possibly at Sewell Park or just walking to class in general, but just make sure you bring an umbrella and a rain jacket tomorrow and prepare for new weather change. Thank you, Kobe. All right, everyone. Like I said, that is all the time we have for today's episode, but be sure to keep up with everything Sam Marcus and Texas State related by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at KTSW Sports. For Kobe Jackson and JP Flanagan, I'm Orlando Smart. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in again same time on Wednesday and have a wonderful rest of your day. But for now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.